Good morning. Praise God for the opportunity that we have to be here today, um, that we're able to come together to be nourished and equipped by his word, to encourage and build up one another in our service to him, uh, to give him the glory that, that he so rightly deserves. We, we've been talking in recent studies uh, about different aspects of our relationships within the local church. We talked about Colossians 2.2 being knit together in love. We talked about 1 Corinthians 13, that, that love that does knit us together, the biblical definition of love. And, and I want us today to go a chapter earlier from 1 Corinthians 13 that we studied last week and, and look a little bit at 1 Corinthians 12 and talk about destructive or divisive attitudes in the body of Christ. I recognize that we're progressing kind of backwards here. We did 1 Corinthians 13, now we're going back to 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I felt like maybe here uh, among this group at Eastside, it would be better to, to start with the positive things that, that knit us together and then go back and look at some of the struggles that threatened to, to tear us apart here in 1 Corinthians 12. And so we're going to discuss some mindsets, some attitudes, some, some heart problems that we uh, may not always see clearly in ourselves and yet threaten um, to tear the body apart, threaten to, to keep us from being what God wants us to be. As we've talked about in recent lessons, the Bible uses a variety of different illustrations to describe the Lord's church. Uh, we're a kingdom, we're a flock, uh, we're a temple, uh, a family, uh, and, and a body. And, and out of all of the passages that talk about us being a body, 1 Corinthians 12 is the one that, that really delves into that most deeply, and it's in a context where you have a church that is struggling a lot with unity. Um, they are very fleshly and carnal in their mindset, and though they have the spiritual gifts to speak in tongues and, and prophesy, they're using what is intended to be for a spiritual purpose of bringing the body together, building it up in love, uh, and yet they're using it to kind of exalt one over another. It's more about themselves, um, and it's, it's tearing the body apart. And so Paul really focuses in on this illustration of the body uh, and gives us kind of different voices of different parts of the body that, that aren't thinking the right way, that are struggling with their mindset and their attitude. Uh, and so I want us to take some time to, to think about those things together. We're going to see three primary destructive attitudes uh, that need to be rejected and replaced by love, as we see uh, and saw last time in chapter 13. Um, and so, first of all, let's read together um, again in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, where Jared started off for us in verse 14. Um, the first attitude that we're going to look at is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 through 16. Uh, in verse 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Is it not for this reason any less, uh, any the less a part of the body? And if the ear says, Because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Here we, we see this attitude, I'm not a part of of the body, because I'm not uh, a, a preacher, because I'm not, you know, maybe teaching the uh, adult Bible class, or I'm not leading in worship in some way, um, that, that I just don't really have any real responsibility uh, to the church, at least not like those people do. If we were going to give a, a, a voice um, to kind of flesh out this attitude and this mindset, we might say, well, my role isn't that important. I'm not a preacher or a Bible class teacher, so I really don't have much of a responsibility to the church. Uh, I'm 
may just be a one-talent man or a one-talent woman. Nobody needs what I have to offer, uh, and the church could function just fine without me. Well, what's God's answer to that mindset? Look, look in verse 17 as he continues. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Uh, th- this mindset, this attitude is, is not how God designed it. It's not that there, there are a couple people that they have really have a responsibility. If their name is on the duty list, well, then they, they're, they're really needed. They need to be there. But I, I'm not supposed to lead in any way today. And so I'm not, you know, if I'm not there, it's not going to make that big of a deal. Uh, no, we see that God designed many different parts of the body. Uh, and there are different roles that, that are needed um, all together. Uh, and there, as we looked in verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Th- think about it this way. Um, I-, I think my wife's eyes are very beautiful. Uh, if, I- if I were going to make a list of the things that I think are most beautiful about Aaron, her eyes would be near the top of the list. But if you removed her eyes from the rest of her body, suddenly they wouldn't be quite so beautiful, would they? <laughs> Uh, no, in fact, they might be kind of revolting and disgusting. Um, as beautiful as they are, they're beautiful in their role within the entire body, right? Um, and so you, you can't take one thing as valuable, as beautiful, as wonderful that, that may be. If you remove it from the rest of the body, it ceases to have its beauty. It ceases to, to have its function. Uh, and so we need to recognize that whatever my role within the body is, it's not that there's some other role that, well, that's what's really important. Uh, you know, the, the, the preacher or evangelist may have an important role in many ways, but his role would be pointless if there was nobody sitting here today to preach to, right? Um, you know, as we think about it in the context of the assembly, you know, a song leader might have an important role, but he would be doing a pointless work if there's nobody that he's leading and singing. Um, shepherds, as we've talked about recently in our studies, have an extremely important role as God designed it. But that role is pointless if there's no sheep, right? And so we, we all have roles. It's not just the things that we think, well, if I'm not that, if I'm not that role, then, then I don't really have much of a responsibility. No, the way that God designed it is each and every one of us, whether visible or, or not, whether it's some role that we might view as particularly honorable or not, have an important role within the body. Look in verse 18. He goes on and says, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. God gave you the abilities and the talents you possess, the resources, the opportunities, even the challenges. Um, and he's put you exactly where he wants you in the body. And so if you look at what you're able to offer, uh, your role, and think, well, that's just not that important. Degrading and belittling your role within the body is degrading and belittling the the design and the wisdom of God. God designed it this way. God gave you a role within the body. And so by, by recognizing the importance of what it is you are able to offer in the Lord's work, that, that, shouldn't and doesn't have to be a prideful thing. That's recognizing that God in his wisdom and his design has given you a place to serve within the body. Um, It's honoring him. In Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16, we've talked about this passage recently as well. We see another picture of the, the body here. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 15, it says, The whole body being fitted and held together 
by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. How does the body grow? Every part, every joint, every ligament. Um, you know, you think sometimes if, if, if you go and you work out a lot at the gym, um, you know, what, what parts of your body are you most inclined to kind of show off to people, right? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to show you my muscles, you know, because you can see how much I've been working out. Um, but the moment you take away the ligament that, that attaches that muscle, it doesn't matter how strong that muscle is now, right? No, nobody's going around showing off their ligaments. You know, you see how strong my ligament is? Uh, and yet, how vital, how important is that? We, we need to reshift the way that we're thinking uh, about our role within the body. Uh, because it may not be very outwardly impressive, but it's extremely important to make sure that the body is functioning the way it should. You, you may be an elbow, you may be a kneecap, uh, but you have an important role to play. And so if, if we want this body to really grow, how, how does that happen? How does a body grow? God, God tells us exactly how it grows, Ephesians 4. It's not by, you know, well, we, we just need really strong shepherds. Do we need that? Of course we do. We've been talking a lot about that recently. Um, but, but just by appointing really good shepherds isn't going to make this body grow. Um, you know, there, there's going to come a time soon where this group may be looking for another evangelist. Is it that we just need to get a really good evangelist and then this body is going to grow? That's not how it works. This body grows, Ephesians 4 tells us, the body grows when every joint and every ligament is growing, and every joint and every ligament is doing a part. We all have a role to play. And the only way a body grows is if we're all working together in that. That's the way that God designed it. Um, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Remember the parable that Jesus tells there. You have the five-talent man, the two-talent man, the one-talent man. Which one ends up burying his talents? The one-talent man, right? Why, why did Jesus tell the story that way? You know, why wasn't it the five-talent man that buried his talents? Why wasn't it the two-talent man that buried his talents? Why does Jesus tell it as the one-talent man who decides to bury his talent? Well, I think we see there that there's a temptation when we feel like the role and the abilities that we have to offer aren't that valuable and aren't that important. We're more tempted um, than to, to bury that talent to feel like, well, it's not really going to be missed anyway, right? I, didn't, I don't have a lot to offer. I'm not sure that, that I, I'm really going to make a difference. And so, you know, maybe, maybe I'm better off just, just keeping this talent safe. I think we need to recognize if, if we struggle with that, if we struggle at looking at ourselves and thinking, well, I, I'm just not sure that I have a lot to offer, then we need to recognize that Jesus is warning us there's a, there's a particular danger there that, that we are, are tempted then to bury that talent. Um, you know, it, it, we may think it's not going to make that big of a difference anyway, but, but you know, it made a huge difference for that one talent man, right? Because he buried his talent, he hears, you wicked and lazy slave, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. Did it make a difference? It made a huge difference. Do you know what didn't make a difference? The difference between the two talent man and the five talent man. You know, that, that's three talents different. That, that's, that's a lot more than this one talent that, that is buried. But did it make any difference 
to the master? Was he more pleased with the five-talent man than he was with the two-talent man? No, that, that didn't make a difference. What did make a difference is whether or not they were using what God has given. And so on Judgment Day, it's not going to matter if you are a, a preacher or a prayer warrior, a song leader or, or a shut-in visitor and a shepherd or, or just an encouraging voice. It's not going to matter uh, you know, how glorious your role looked uh, on, on an earthly level. What's going to matter is whether or not you've used what God has given you. Whether or not you've embraced the role that God has given you, challenges and difficulties and limitations and all. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Employ the gifts or gift that you've been given in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What does that mean? To be a, a steward of the manifold grace of God. The idea of manifold is this idea of, of many-faceted, many-sided. God's grace is so manifold, it's so expansive, that not any one of us can hold all of it, right? And so we each are stewards of, if you want to think of it this way, a piece of God's grace. Right? The gifts, the abilities, the resources, the opportunities that we have, that, that's our piece of God's grace. And we need to be good stewards of it. We need to make sure that, that we are valuing and using the aspect of God's grace that's been offered to us and employing it and serving one another. Employing it and serving one another. Um, how many employees does this church have? <laughs> we, we don't like to think of it in that terms, and I think rightly so. Um, but I, I think sometimes we, whether consciously or not, get this mindset that, well, you know, those who are supported to do that work, they're the employees of the church, and, and we're just, you know, we're, we're just the regular members. We're, we're not employees. But the fact is, we are all called to employ what God, we are all to be employed in God's service. Um, we're all full-time disciples, right? We're all full-time kingdom workers. And so it's not that there are some people in the body that, well, they have a significant role and they're going to make a huge impact. We, we all have a significant role. We all are full-time kingdom workers. Wherever we are, whether we're here, whether we're somewhere else, whatever we're doing day by day, we're full-time kingdom workers. And we need to think of it in those terms. And so you are a part of the body. Whatever resources, whatever opportunities, whatever role you have, value that because God values it. Use it because that's what God made you for. And that's what's going to cause the body to grow. But, but there's another struggle here in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, if we continue reading verse 19 through 22, read with me starting in verse 19. It says, if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. Here we see the opposite problem. It's not, in this case, I'm not a part of the body. It's the attitude, I have no need of you. Your, your role isn't as important as, as my role. Um, here we, we have this mindset that many in Corinth were struggling with exalting and emphasizing the role and the ability that they had to offer above that of, of others around them. If we were going to give a voice to this and kind of flesh out this idea, we might say, uh, well, others need to be more like 
me. Uh, if everyone shared my perspective uh, and recognized how good my ideas are, this church would be so much stronger than it is. My soapboxes are what matter most, and, and my pet peeves are the biggest things that we need to work on. William Barclay uh, said this, far too often people in the church become so engrossed in the bit of work that they are doing and so convinced of its supreme importance that they neglect or even criticize others who have chosen to do other work. Brother, I'll be honest, too often that's been me. Um, and this is every bit as destructive as the first attitude that we talked about. You know, it's okay to be passionate about something. It's okay to be passionate about what we believe that the body needs, about this area of service that, that we're giving ourselves to. Uh, but we need to realize our own inadequacies. We need to realize um, we, our, our own uh, limitations, our need for the perspective and added, uh, added ideas of others. We need to respect the differing abilities and roles that others have to offer, recognizing uh, the value of what they bring to the body. Because the way that God designed it, remember, is that we all have a different role. And that, that's what gives us strength. Um, that's what helps us function effectively together. Turn, turn your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I, I want to just spend a few moments in this passage. Um, we see the wisdom of numbers here. The, the wisdom of relationships uh, as God designed it. Starting in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Do you see this? From many different angles, we see the value of uh, other people, the, the value of relationships, the value uh, of numbers. And there in verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. We're going to be more effective in the work of the Lord if we're doing that work together. I think sometimes if we're struggling with this mindset and we think, well, this, this area of service, this is what we really need to work on. This is what's most important. And other people aren't doing this. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it myself. You, you know, when, when we have that mindset, um, we, we really rob... <laughs> the church of, of the growth that it could have. Um, God's design and intent is that we be working together, not just on our own. And, and so sometimes I, I, I've recognized um, that, that I may be very passionate about something. I think this is really what needs to be done. Um, and instead of reaching out and saying, hey, how about you come do this with me? I think, well, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then I look back and I have an attitude of pride. Well, I'm doing this and nobody else is. Well, whose fault is that? You know, maybe that's my fault. Um, and so regardless of what the work is, I, I think we need to start valuing more and more doing the work together. Um, because how, you know, even if I'm doing something that I don't think is the most important thing, if I'm doing it with my brethren, it's going to be more effective. 
That's how God designed it. So let, let's start thinking that way and how we do the Lord's work. Let, let's get together. <laughs> let's start building each other up in the work. Whatever area of service that is, let's not be doing it by ourselves. And you see that the same concept in another area, verse 10, for either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. If I'm doing you know, the Lord's work, kind of doing my own thing, uh, then what ends up happening is that I, I don't have the accountability of others. I have my perspective and my area of service, and I need the perspective of others. I need their strengths and weaknesses, and I'm making myself more vulnerable when I isolate myself. Because I, I'm not always going to see things correctly, and I'm going to stumble. And if I am keeping uh, others away, um, then that's not going to be for my growth. It's not going to be helpful for them either. We see the encouragement of spending uh, time together. Um, verse 11, furthermore, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? We, we see there's a comfort. There's a warmth. There's encouragement from doing the work together. Verse 12 and if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Talk about being knit together in love. That's the picture we have here. Um, two is better than one, we were told at the beginning of this passage. And at the end, we're told that a, strand, a cord of three strands uh, cannot be easily broken. I, I think we can continue to, to work that out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, fifty. Uh, when we're working together the way that God intended, that's going to help us grow. That's going to accomplish his work. That's going to keep us accountable to one another. That's going to be for my spiritual well-being. That's going to be for your spiritual well-being. And so we, we can't have this mindset um, that, you know, why well, I, I can do the Lord's work on my own. I can't. I need you. We need one another. Look back in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we, we left off in verse 22. Let's read that again. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22, it says, On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked it. What, what is he talking about here? How has God so composed the body that we give more abundant honor to the member which lacks it? Well, I think this gets back to the attitude and the heart that God intends for us to have, right? But, but let's think about this in the, the illustration of the body itself. Um, on its own, how strong um, is your heart? Or your lungs. Yeah. If I took your heart and I set it out on a table somewhere, you know, how much is it going to be able to, to defend itself, <laughs> to, to resist? You know, you, you, you take your heart, you take your lungs, and you remove it from the rest of the body. All of a sudden, it is extremely feeble and weak and vulnerable. And yet, how vital is your heart? How vital are your lungs to the well-being of your body? Well, you remove those and you're, you're only going to last a couple seconds, right? And so as feeble as they may be on their own, 
They're extremely important. They're, they're the, the lifeblood of, of the body. And you think about this in the idea of presentable and non-presentable parts. Um, you know, there are parts of our body that should not be <laughs> presented to the world, right? That, that are not fit for public view. Uh, and why is that? Is that because they're just really unvaluable things? No, it's because they're special. It's because they're holy. It's because they're intended to be preserved for the marriage relationship, right? And so we, we clothe those parts of the body, not because they're dishonorable, but because they are honorable, right? And so when we see those concepts within the body itself, how is he applying that to the church? How is he applying that to us? Well, the most honorable and vital work within the body of Christ is often that which goes on behind the scenes, not in the limelight. Um, it's the humble servants, the feet washers that no one knows about, that, that don't seek credit for the work that they do. Um, it, it, it's not just about you know, what, what's visible, um, what's out in front. Some of the most important things that we can do are not going to be those things that are out for public view. It's not going to be what the world sees, right? Um, it's going to be the, the lowly service rendered day by day that may not look glorious and yet is going to help this body grow. And our weaker members, children, our new converts, people that are spiritually immature, um, you know, they may not be as strong in the faith. They may come with a lot of baggage, a lot of things from their past life that they're trying to work through. It may be challenging, um, but how important is that to the health of a congregation? I want you to imagine for a moment, what, what if everybody here uh, had been a, a Christian for more than 30 years? How healthy would this body be? Well, we might have some maturity in some ways, hopefully, <laughs> um, but we would be a dying congregation. That's not how God designed the body to be, Right? If, if this body is going to grow, if it's going to thrive, if it's going to be doing the Lord's work, then, then we're going to have little babies that are crying and fidgeting uh, and, and being a distraction in services. We're going to have, uh, spiritually speaking, those who are newborns and are working through things and, and become a challenge. And yet, that, that's part of who we are and what we're supposed to be, is helping each other grow, serving one another. And so those that we might deem less honorable or more feeble or weak, they become the ones that we're bestowing greater honor on. That, that, that's where we're putting the attention as we're seeking to help one another grow. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, we're told, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another own interests, but also for the interests of others. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's difficult, right? Especially if, if, if you struggle with, with pride, if you struggle with this attitude that we're talking about. Um, you know, many times we, we have trained ourselves to, to value and see as important um, the, the things that, that we're working on, where our focus is, the things that we can contribute to. You know, that, and, and yet we become so focused on that that we neglect and even criticize and look down upon the work that other people are, are doing. But here, God tells us the attitude of Christ is we need to become more in tune 
to the good things that other people have to offer. More, more in tune to our own inadequacies, uh, the areas that we need to grow. And, and so sometimes we, we become discontented and frustrated because, uh, you know, I'm focused on my role and other people aren't doing this and the work that other people are doing, well, it's not important as the work that I'm doing. That's going to tear the body apart. Romans 12 and verse 10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Some versions say, outdo one another in showing honor. Literally, lead the way in showing honor. You know, the, the worldly, the carnal mindset is that we're seeking to get honor for ourselves. We're, we're trying to do the work that we think is most important um, and that we can look back on and, and feel the best about. Here, God says we need to turn that around. We, we need to outdo one another in showing honor and showing appreciation for the role and, and, the, and the strengths and the encouragement that other people have to offer. That's something that doesn't come naturally. That's something that we're going to have to change our mindset and change our thinking about. But, but let's be active in doing that. Let, let's look out at one another and stop thinking, well, I'm doing this and they're not doing it. And let's start thinking, what what, what, do, what are the strengths, what are the things that I can learn from, from others? From what they're doing, from their background, their experiences, from what the Lord is teaching them and, and their walk. Um, let's outdo one another in, in showing honor. But thirdly, look in verse 25 and 26. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 says, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Thirdly, uh, one of the most destructive things is to stop caring. Stop caring about the other parts of the body um, as we just focus in on our own needs. If we were going to give further words to this attitude, we might say, well, your spiritual needs and growth are not my responsibility. My participation in the body is dependent on whether or not my needs are being met. If my needs aren't being served, then there's no reason for me to be involved. Again, I, I'm not sure that any of these statements, we would come out and say it that way, but, but, but is that our heart? Is that our attitude? Um, we, we talked about the, the, t the, uh, the church being a flock, being a temple, being a family, being a body. All of those illustrations show us uh, uh, an element of, of care and togetherness. Um, you know, what, what, what happens uh, in a temple if you start taking out stones? They start not being as, as committed and invested to, to the building of the whole. Well, that, that building's going to start crumbling. It's going to start falling apart. Uh, imagine at, uh, in a family context. You know, what, what if, um, you know, th there was a night that Aaron didn't make my favorite meal. I said, well, you know, this meal is my favorite, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come to the family table today. Um, you know, let, let me know what's on the menu next week, and I'll, I'll see if I'm going to show up. <laughs> It doesn't work like that, right? No, it's not just about my needs and, and me being fed. It's about me being there to, to serve 
others. And so my role within the body, my commitment to the body, is not just about whether or not you're taking care of my needs. If, if that's the attitude and the mindset that we have, this temple is going to crumble, this flock is going to be scattered, this family is going to be torn apart, this body is not going to function. You know, if, if, if you had a, a body and you walked in uh, to an exam room and, and the hand was sitting over there and the, and the foot was sitting over there, uh, you know, and, and, and the head was on another part of the room, how, how healthy would that body be? <laughs> We'd have a big problem, wouldn't we? Now, we, we need to have a commitment and a care to, to being knit together in love. Remember Colossians 2 and verse 2. That's Paul's prayer for us. Are, are we just kind of a loose afghan that is easily torn apart? Or are we closely knit together? Um, you know, like, like the shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> how close, how committed are we to one another? And as we talked about that love recently in 1 Corinthians 13, I, I want us to consider some other aspects of that love in closing today. Uh, think about Matthew 22, uh, verse 37 through 40. The, the first and second greatest command that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Do, do we love others as ourselves, as our own body? That's really what we're saying is we see the church described as a body. As we need to, to nourish and care for this body just like we, we care for our own flesh. And if, you know, if you stub your toe, what, what's going to happen? You know, is the rest of the body going to say, get over it? No. You know, your entire body is, is going to react to that. You're going to start yelping. Uh, if, if, if the stomach is hungry. How does the rest of the body react to that? Oh, that stomach, you know, it, it just, it keeps getting in the way. Like we have to keep stopping and going and getting food out of the fridge for the stomach. Can, can we just get rid of the stomach? You know, it, it, it's becoming such a drain on the body. That's not how it works, right? Now we need to have the same care for one another, just like our own flesh, loving one another as ourselves. Matthew 7, 22 in the Sermon on the Mount, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. You notice that's a positive command. That, that's not, um, you know, don't treat others the way that you don't want them to treat you. That is actively treat others the way that you would want them to treat you. What kind of church do you want to be a part of? I, I think first and foremost, we recognize the question is, what, what kind of church does God want us to, to be? Um, but, but think for a moment about if, if, if the East Side Church of Christ was everything that God wants it to be at this stage in our growth, what is that going to look like? And then instead of thinking about well, what, what is it that others need to do to make that happen, <laughs> think about what, what can I do actively to, to help us become that? How can I be treating my brethren? How can I be reaching out to my brethren? How can I be involved in such a way to help us grow? John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
How is the world going to know that we're Jesus' disciples? First and foremost, he says, by the way that we treat one another. Do you see that? By our attitude and our relationships with one another, by the love that we show for one another. And the standard is that we love as Jesus has loved. What if Jesus said these things? What if Jesus says, your spiritual needs and growth are not my responsibility? My participation in this body uh, is dependent on whether or not you're meeting my needs. And if, if you're not serving my needs, then there's really no reason for me to be involved. Is that Jesus' heart and attitude? What, what if Jesus was as involved and invested in the growth of this body as you are? Brother, we need the heart of Jesus. And how we care for the people sitting next to us and the people sitting in front of us and the people sitting behind us right now. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Brethren, you are not here for you. Praise God that the, the assembly is designed to help us grow, but, but that's not the focus, right? The, the focus is not my needs being met and me growing. The focus, as far as it depends on me, is to consider how I can stir one another up to love and good works. And if we all come with the attitude of whether, you know, making sure that my needs are met, making sure that I grow, making sure that I'm getting the nourishment that I want, then this body is going to fall apart. It doesn't work. The way that it works, the way that God designed it, is that we each come to this assembly, that we each get involved day by day and week by week in such a way to focus on how can I be the best encouragement to others. And that, and that alone is the way that I end up growing and that I end up being encouraged, okay? Now, I might get tired of that sometimes. I might get burnt out. And when that happens, I need to go back to Jesus, <laughs> go back to his heart, his attitude, to reinvest um, and recognize that, that it starts with me, um, being who God wants me to be. How's your attitude? Uh, are you a working part of the body. You, you may recognize that there's one of these areas that, that you struggle with most. As you look in the mirror, um, you, you may uh, see, see your own struggles here. Um, the flesh is going to struggle in, in, in these ways. That's why all the more we need to be developing the heart of Jesus, while we need to be going to the Spirit, allowing Him to direct us instead. What, what changes do you need to make? Um, you know, may, maybe you recognize today that there's some big change that needs to be made. So, some big change that you need to talk to these brethren about, that you need to ask their prayers and support in, maybe ask their forgiveness in. Um, won't, won't you do that now? Um, and if, if you recognize that you're not a part of the body of, of Christ, um, that there is nothing more important than your relationship with the Lord, and your relationship with the Lord is dependent on your relationship with his body and his people as well. Um, if, if you need 
to join the body of Christ so that you can be the kind of active working member that God intends for you to be so that you can serve the way that God intends for you to serve. Um, won't you do that? If there's any way that we can help you in your relationship with the Lord, um, won't you let us know at this time as we stand and as we sing together?